Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. I have some housekeeping to do and things to say, so I will put in the show notes when the actual story starts for those who hate listening to me talk about anything other than spooky stuff. No judgment. I love my skippers and my non-skippers alike. So skippers, I will see you on the other side. How is everyone? I know I super needed that week off, so thank you for your patience. I haven't talked about it in a while, but my episodes actually take a few full work days to produce because I have to find content, record it, edit it, which I'm probably very slow at since I do it myself and I'm self-taught and in no way a tech genius. For instance, I spent 40 whole minutes this week on something really dumb because the audio software I use updated and moved this button I'm used to pushing for a certain effect and I spent all that time trying to Google how to create that same effect manually because I assumed they had just completely removed that button and they didn't. It was just one extra click behind another button that was so painfully obvious once I realized it that I started questioning my sanity overall. (laughs) Anyway, that's all to say that this show takes quite a while to produce and I know a lot of shows, especially those with several hosts, don't necessarily take as much editing and they can split up jobs between them. So it is a lot more involved than just recording myself for an hour and then uploading it directly to Audioboom. It's weird, I've actually heard other podcasters have the same little vent session like Aaron Mankey did recently on Twitter. And look, I'm not mad at anyone, this is a weird job that some people don't even realize exists at all, much less what all the inner workings are. But I thought I'd let you know why taking weeks off are just required sometimes, mentally and just logistically, since I still work another job. This does not pay all my bills, (laughs) not yet anyway. So sometimes I just have to pick up extra work days to get through life, just like everyone else. This week I had to take my car into the shop not once, but twice. So that was super. (laughs) Moving on, I want to talk about upcoming and current Patreon stuff. Um, I usually don't do this at the top of the show, but I figured I would so everyone can, more people can hear it. I know a lot of you probably don't stick around at the end or you're asleep by the end. So two weeks ago, I said I would be coming out with some sort of companion episode on Patreon to go with that that week's last story about dream worlds. And I did. If you join Patreon, you'll see that I read that creepy Reddit comment I mentioned, and I just kind of riff a little more casually than I do here. It was a fun thing, and I think I'm going to start doing that more often, doing a companion episode for Patreon to go along with each week's episode. It won't be anything too elaborate, just me discussing the episode of the week and maybe reading something that relates to it paranormal-wise that doesn't really fit into the main show. I've also continued my Frankenstein series where I'm reading all of Frankenstein two chapters at a time. It's so relaxing reading that book to you guys. I, it really makes me feel like I'm reading you a bedtime story, for some reason more so than even here. It's so gothic and moody and Victor is just so full of ennui and distress and is probably the most emo character I've ever read. I highly recommend pouring your favorite sultry drink, be that hot tea or red wine, and listening in a hot bath surrounded by candles to really get into Victor's whole deal. Or maybe pose on a couch with the back of your hand pressed dramatically against your forehead. (laughs) I also want to explore more ASMR on the Patreon channel. I know some folks hate it, but I couldn't sleep or relax without it, so I really want to do a little more with it. If you haven't listened to ASMR videos, ASMR stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, 
which is a fancy way for saying those tingles or that relaxing feeling you get from certain sounds like gentle tapping or from someone whispering in your ear. So look out for that. I also haven't introduced you to any new shows lately, and I have one that you're going to love. I present to you Ghost Town. Are you into the secret histories of exorcisms, Christmas massacres, killdozers, and concert disasters? How about haunted mansions, the Philadelphia Experiment, the Dorm of Death, or candy corn? Then you're going to love Ghost Town, a hilarious and sometimes not so hilarious twice-weekly podcast. On Wednesdays, we discuss the secret history of an abandoned, unexplored, haunted, or mysterious place from anywhere in the world. And on Fridays, we cover an amazing historical failure from any time in history. Ghost Town is 100% safe and legal. We guarantee it. It's also fun, spooky, and can contain a riot, a massacre, a murder, or an arch deluxe. I'm Rebecca Lieb. I'm Jason Horton. And And this this is Ghost Town. Town. And you can find Ghost Town wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, I'm sure even you non-skippers are like, get on with it already. Don't worry, this long intro isn't a new permanent feature. I just had a lot to say this week. So here we go. This week's story is by Jay Bowden, who also has a book available on Amazon called Do You Believe in Fairies? Jay mentioned that it's less scary, more fluffy LGBT romance, and I think it looks amazing. Here's a synopsis. Arion of the Orchid House is a fae of the High Court, a royal, and shares his place with the kings of the fae, Kronos and Nyx. He could have anything or anyone he wanted. But what he finds himself drawn to instead is a human who comes to the edge of the woods every day and reads. The Reading Man, Arion calls him. Arion wants him, but unfortunately, the Reading Man does not believe in fairies or magic. Because of their laws, the Reading Man is deemed unworthy to bask in the gifts of the Fae, and Arion is unable to show himself to the object of his desires. Determination and unrequited love outmatch his common sense. Arion ignores tradition in favor of shifting the reading man's beliefs and earning his love instead of stealing it. And I will put a link for that in the show notes. For tonight, however, Jay has for us a very, very scary tale called Toby. Please state your name for the record. Um, Helen Gautier. Helen Gautier was a beautiful redhead with vibrant blue eyes. Her beauty was dulled somewhat by the hollow look she carried and the deadened tone of her voice. The man interviewing her eased back in his seat, the digital recorder resting between them, and he took a moment to look over his list of questions. Can you tell us when you first began to suspect that there was something amiss with your son... Callum, was it? The man asked, and the woman flinched at the mention of her son. Caleb. His name was Caleb. She said, her voice on the cusp of anger, her eyes wet and voice shaking. Right. The man said. 
can you please tell us when you first began to suspect that there was something amiss with your son, Caleb? He repeated before he fell silent and waited for her to speak. Helen swallowed once, stared blankly ahead, and began to speak. I think I realized that something might have been off three years ago. Caleb was seven, and my husband and I, Michelle, had moved from Cotonneg to this old house in Rigaud. It was a nice Victorian-style home. We thought it would be the perfect place to raise our son, away from the hustle and bustle of the big city, and in a more wholesome environment. The first night there, I felt like something was off, but I chalked it up to nerves from being in a new house. Most of our things were still in boxes, so the house didn't feel like ours yet. Caleb was off exploring the house. I could hear his his little pitter-patter of feet as he ran and played. My husband was unpacking the kitchen, and I was taking care of the bedrooms. It all felt so normal. We... When we all went to bed that first night, I could hear giggling, like a child's laugh. I thought Caleb might still be awake, but when I went to check on him... He was fast asleep in his new room. I assumed that my ears were playing tricks on me. Or it was the wind. I don't know. I went back to bed and I tried to ignore the sounds that I heard. What did you hear? The man asked in the same calm, even tone he'd spoken with throughout the interview. Tapping. Helen replied, her voice beginning to shake a little. On the windows, it was three taps in quick succession, like one after the other. I assumed it was the wind brushing a tree branch into our window, but there's no tree there. I didn't know what to make of it. And, um, creaking like the house was settling. I didn't get any sleep that night, and Michelle brushed off the sounds I'd heard as being uneasy in a new house. He went to work that next morning and left me alone with my son. But don't you think it was just that? The unease of being in a new home? No. It couldn't have been just me. I was downstairs unpacking the dining room boxes, and Caleb was in the living room playing with a few hand-me-down toys I'd kept for him from my childhood. I could hear him talking to someone, and and that same laugh I'd heard the night before. It was there. I turned around when I heard it, but then... What happened next, Escotier? The man's question was met with Helen bringing a hand to her mouth as she stifled a small sob. 
I turned, I turned back just in time to see the stack of plates I had just put away fly off the shelf. Literally. They shot a foot away from the cabinet, and they all crashed to the floor. I heard Caleb scream and come running, and he started apologizing to me. I'm sorry, Mommy. I'm, I'm sorry. He didn't mean it, he said. What did your son mean by that? Who was he? He said it was his friend, Toby. He said his friend got upset when Caleb told him he was going to return to elementary school as soon as we were settled, and his... whatever it was... friend... didn't want Caleb to leave. Tears streaked Helen's cheeks as she spoke, and she accepted the handkerchief the man offered her with a soft hiccup. How do you know it wasn't just your son's imagination running wild? Kids invent imaginary friends all the time. That isn't something new. It just seemed like something more. Helen insisted. I can't explain it. The dishes, Caleb's reaction, it just seemed too coincidental to me that it was just an imaginary friend or some sort of wild fluke. Later, after I'd cleaned up, Caleb came to me when I was on the sofa having a nap with one of my favorite books. He climbed into my lap and started asking me if he was in trouble. He seemed so distraught, and the occurrence with the dishes, he seemed convinced that it was his fault. I asked him why he'd think that, and he said that his friend Toby blamed him for the broken dishes because it was Caleb's fault that he got angry. You must understand. Caleb was an independent child. He was very self-reliant, and he always wanted to be treated like a big boy and he hero-worshipped my husband. The last time he crawled into my lap like that was maybe when he was three or four. It was very out of character for him. And what did your husband have to say about the incident with the dishes? He didn't believe me. He said the cabinet was uneven and the plates slid out. He brushed off Caleb's friend as nothing more than a kid's typical imaginary friend. What happened next? The very next night, I heard the tapping again and the creaking. And I swore, I swore that I heard a child's voice speak. What did the voice say? The man asked as he leaned forward in his chair his expression rife with anticipation. It said, I don't want to go to sleep. Helen's voice broke, and she dabbed her eyes with the handkerchief that she still held. I... I couldn't sleep after that. Can you tell me about Caleb's imaginary friend? I didn't know much at the time, 
I always heard Caleb chattering away with him, running and playing in the halls in the backyard. <laughs> it all seemed so normal. <sighs> I started to get used to the sounds at night and I was finally able to get some sleep. The strange thing is, neighbors and guests always talked about my children. I had one child, one, but when I corrected them, they told me that they heard two children's voices, two sets of feet running and playing, not one. My husband didn't believe them and brushed it off like he always did. Tell me when things began to escalate, if you please, Miss Gautier. We had been in Rigaud for a month. It was October and all our furniture had arrived. We were unpacked and we finally felt like it was our home. I had a lot of framed photographs around, mostly of Michelle's family and my parents. My sister and I don't talk. And of course, dozens of photographs of Caleb through the years. The funny thing was, photographs started falling off the walls and the fireplace mantle, but only photographs of Caleb. The glass would shatter like it had been dropped from the roof onto concrete instead of the two or three feet from its place and onto the carpeted floor. My husband guessed that maybe the frames were too old or the nails sunk into the drywall. He just brushed it off. Like he always did. When it was time for Caleb to return to school, Caleb was just distraught at the idea of leaving his friend behind. I told Caleb to bring his friend with him to school, but Caleb said he couldn't. Caleb had never been one to kick up a fuss about going to school, but he was just beside himself the whole walk there. I was so embarrassed, dragging my child kicking and screaming all the way to the front gates. I felt like a horrible mother. When I got back home, I took out my laptop and started up my job hunt, which had been the plan once we got out here. Once we were settled, I'd start looking for work. I used to work at a daycare, you see, but I didn't want to make the commute every day all the way back to Cotonig, so I was looking for something new. I'd been at it for maybe ten minutes when I heard a child's giggle. I stood up. And I heard the sound of someone running down the hall towards the bedrooms. I went to see who it was, but I couldn't find anyone. When I returned, when I returned to the living room, <gasps> Helen broke off with a choked sob. What happened, Miss Gautier? All our photographs, all of them, they were on the walls, like, like normal. But our faces, 
Mine, Michelle's, every family member had been scratched out. Except Caleb. When... When Michelle got home, he thought I'd done it. I told him that I hadn't and he didn't believe me. We had a horrible argument and we never fight. I was just glad that Caleb was at school and he didn't hear it. <laughs> Helen choked and broke off her narrative as she buried her face in her hands. Miss, Miss Gautier, the man said after a moment, and she looked up at him, tear tracks staining her cheeks. Tell me what happened next. <sighs> that night we went to bed, and Caleb asked us where the pictures went. I can't remember what we told him, that they were being cleaned or something like that, and all was quiet. Then, I heard tapping on my window again. The same kind of tapping that you heard the first night. No, it was different. This was harder and sounded like someone was knocking on my window. Three times. Just like before. It woke me up and I rushed to the window but there was nothing there. I took out my phone and snapped a picture. I don't know why. I just had to, but I couldn't look at it. I just went back to bed and tried to get some sleep. Did you ever look at that photograph you took? Yes. The next morning, Michelle insisted on taking Caleb to school. He kept giving me this look, like something wasn't quite right with me. I think he thought I was losing my mind or something, but... After they left, I pulled out my phone and I remembered that I had snapped a photo and it was there. What was there, Miss Gautier? A figure, sort of, shapeless, like black fog. But I could see the street lamps glow around the figure, like a silhouette. But there was no way someone could be standing in front of our window. It's on the second floor, and there's nothing they could have hung on to. I was terrified of being in the house alone after that, and so I took my laptop and I drove our other car to the cafe in the village, and I spent the day there. Were you job searching all day? No, I was looking for someone who could help me. Someone who would believe me. I was afraid that I might lose my family. Whatever was in that house, it was evil. There was no other word for it. Evil. That evening, after Caleb had been put to bed, I told Michelle that I wanted to have a psychic come and see the house. My husband was a practical man. He didn't believe in those kinds of things, so of course he got very upset. Told me he wouldn't waste his money on something like that, and he insisted that I see a therapist. He was concerned that being alone so much was making me delusional. Did the therapist help at all? 
No. Helen replied at once with a derisive sputter. How could they? A therapist doesn't cure a haunting. But I went to keep Michelle from nagging me. He was getting worried about leaving me alone with Caleb and threatened to take him to his parents' house when he wasn't there. And I... He's my son. I'd never hurt him. I love him. She paused and shook her head. No. Loved. I loved him. I'm sorry. (sighs) She took a deep, shuddering breath and started again. I went to see the therapist, but only on the condition that we have a psychic come see the house. He finally agreed. How did you find a psychic that was reputable? I'd imagine many of them are frauds. Many are. I found this one who came highly recommended. She worked with several New Age shops across southern Ontario and Quebec. And she hosted workshops on divination and things like that. Tanya Auger. Did Miss Auger help at all? Ease your fears? Michelle was very reluctant to have Caleb around someone who claimed to be a psychic, so we had her by while Caleb was at school. She said that there was indeed a spirit in the house. She said that it was a child, but so much isolation had made it malevolent. It wanted a playmate. It wanted Caleb. Helen's voice shook and died, and it took several minutes before she was calm enough to continue. She said nothing would be a permanent solution unless we discovered who the spirit was and what it was attached to and what was holding it to this plane of existence. She burned some herbs and nailed sprigs of rosemary above all the doorways. After she left, Michelle ripped it all down before I could say a word and complained about it being a waste of money told me I wasn't to call on her again. And did any of what Miss Sojé do help at all? No. If anything, things got worse. That night, Caleb kept asking me if I was alright. And when I tried to talk to Caleb, Michelle would cut me off. Like he was afraid I'd infect our son with my fears or something. After we went to bed, I was woken up around two or three in the morning. At first, I didn't know what had woken me. But then I heard it. A child's laugh. Then, something ran across the bed, over my legs, and down the hall. It felt like a cat, but 
We didn't have a cat. Are you sure you didn't imagine it? Perhaps you were still dreaming. No! Helen said forcefully, her eyes still rather red. It happened! I'm not crazy! I I never said that you are crazy, Miss Gautier, the man said patiently. Please, tell me what happened next. I couldn't get back to sleep after that. I was just watching the hallway, trying to convince myself that maybe some sort of animal got in the house. When I heard Caleb talking to someone, Who was he talking to? I don't know. I got up and walked to his bedroom and I could hear laughter on the other side of the door, like Caleb had a friend over. I tapped on the door and opened it and saw Caleb sitting up in bed. And I asked him what he was still doing up and he said, Sorry, Mommy, Toby woke me up. I asked him if he could tell Toby that he needed to go back to sleep because he had school in the morning, but Caleb frowned at me and said Toby gets mad when I tell him that. He does bad things when he's mad. I asked him what sort of bad things, and he climbed out of bed. He looked so little in his Power Rangers pajamas, and he took down one of his superhero posters to show me what was behind it. What was behind it, Miss Gautier? Claw marks. Three claw marks gouged into the wallpaper like a cougar or something. I asked Caleb why Toby would do such a thing, and he said Toby doesn't like it when I leave. He gets mad. I asked Caleb if Toby had done anything else, and he nodded. When I asked him what he'd done, he pulled his pajama top off, and there were three identical scratch marks on his collarbone. I was horrified. I woke Michelle up and showed him the claw marks on the wall and on Caleb, and Michelle exploded. He He accused me. He accused me of doing those things to our son and said that he wasn't going to let me abuse him anymore. He packed up an overnight bag, took Caleb, and left. That must have been fairly traumatic for you, the man said, and Helen nodded without looking up. I don't understand why Michelle would be so cruel, she said softly. After he left, things became much worse. The house creaked worse than ever. Lights flickered, and instead of the giggling, childlike voices, I heard angry screams, like a child pitching a fit. I sat up in Caleb's room all night. I couldn't leave. Whatever it was blamed me for making Caleb leave, and it scratched me like it did Caleb. I didn't know what to do. I missed my son and husband so much. I knew if I lied and stopped talking about my experiences in the house, my husband might come back. Maybe believe that I was better, but I didn't want to lie. 
I couldn't lie. Not about this. The next day, Michelle refused to answer my calls and texts, and I walked around the house taking photographs of virtually everything. Everywhere there had been a disturbance. Did you see anything in your photographs? Yes. Apparitions, orbs of light, dark shadows, everything I'd ever seen those paranormal experts talk about on TV. The strange thing is, I recognized the apparitions. You recognized it? Yes. It was a little boy. A little boy I haven't seen in nearly 15 years. Who was it? My childhood friend, Jackson. Jackson Tobias Wick. Toby. Yes, I, I believe so. He was killed by a drunk driver when we were eight, and I was devastated. He was my best friend. His mother let me take a few of his toys as mementos, which I kept and gave to Caleb. If you truly believe this was a genuine haunting, why did the spirit of your childhood friend appear only now? Why not before? I, I don't know. I asked the psychic, Tanya, and she said great upheaval, like a move, can sometimes jar awake spirits like that. Caleb only started talking about this imaginary friend after we'd moved, so it seemed the most likely answer. A few days later, Michelle came back with two things for me, my son, and divorce papers. He wanted sole custody. He was afraid that I would endanger Caleb, but I was granted weekend visits. Caleb was very upset. He didn't understand what was happening, and he cried a lot and asked me why his father had taken him away from me and from his friend. I tried to explain that his daddy was just scared for him, but it didn't help very much. When it was time to go, Caleb completely lost it. He screamed at his father and cried harder than I'd ever seen him, and he managed to break away from his father's grip to run to me. I don't want to go, Mommy. Please don't make me go, he said. I want to stay here with you and Toby. The mention of his imaginary friend was the last straw for Michelle, and he dragged Caleb bodily from the house. I can imagine that must have been very upsetting for you, the man said, and Helen nodded sadly. This spirit, ghost, whatever it was, it destroyed my family in a few short months. Helen sobbed. I hated it. I hated it. I hated that Michelle wouldn't believe me. I hated that it attacked me and my son. I hated it all. I didn't leave the house for the whole week. And Toby, Toby was angry that Michelle had taken Caleb from him and took it out on me. He broke dishes 
cracked mirrors, light bulbs would explode at random. Any new photographs of our family that had been put up had every face, save Caleb's, burned away. Not just scratched anymore. He wanted my son back. Tell me about the incident that led you here. The man said, and Helen let out another choked sob at the prompt. first weekend with Caleb. <coughs> Caleb was thrilled to be home. And we played outside. We ate all his favorite foods and everything was perfect. That night though, Caleb crawled into my bed. His face tear-stained and he said that Toby wanted him to be his friend forever and that he was scared. I didn't know, I didn't know what Caleb meant. So I held him until we both went to sleep. The next day, Sunday, Caleb thanked me. And I asked him, for what? And he said, God. Thank you. Thank you for helping me be brave, Mommy. I love you. And then he hugged me and toddled off to his room. First, I assumed he'd gone to play by himself because I could hear, I could hear his little voice talking to someone in his room, laughing, running around. The normal things children do. Then while I was catching up on my reading, I noticed that it was quiet. Too quiet. Helen broke off with a sob, and she buried her face in her hands. I got so, so scared. I jumped up and rushed to Caleb's room. He was there. He was there. On the floor. His lips were blue and there was bruising around his throat like someone had strangled him. I called Michelle in a panic and an ambulance, but it was too late. Our son was gone. Toby took my little boy from me. Michelle thought, thought I'd done it. And no matter how many times I denied it, he wouldn't listen to me. And now I'm here. It's all, it's all that thing's fault. Helen finished before she buried her face in her handkerchief 
and began to cry in earnest. Thank you for sharing your story with me, Miss Gautier. The man said as he leaned forward to flick off the recorder and pocket it before he stood up. And she nodded weakly as she peered at him from behind the cloth. Before he could move away, she reached out and covered his hand with her own. Please, make sure you get my story out there. People need to know how dangerous these things are. Please. Of course, Miss Gautier. I will. I promise, the man said, his voice shaking a little in alarm at the intensity of her gaze. But when he attempted to pry himself from under her hand, she let go without protest. At the same moment, there was a soft knock on the door and two orderlies stepped into the room. Come on, Helen, one of them said gently as they rested a hand on her arm. Time to go back to your room. I'm sure you're tired and would like a rest. Yes, she said at once, standing slowly and smiling a little at the two men. A rest sounds nice. She turned back to the man and smiled at him. Thank you for listening to me. You are the first person who ever has. The man smiled at her as the orderlies guided Helen from the room, and he tried to offer her a reassuring smile. He waited until he heard the trio of footsteps drift away before he stepped outside and stopped before two other men one of Indian descent, the other Caucasian. He knew that the former was the ex-husband, and the latter her doctor. Both of them appeared justifiably apprehensive to hear the results of his talk with Helen Gautier. "'What did you make of it, Mr. Palmer?' the Indian man asked, his arms crossed tightly across his chest. "'Well, Your ex-wife genuinely believes what she's telling us. She's convinced that a ghost killed your son, Mr. Palmer said, avoiding the incredulous look in the man's eyes. Three years of intensive therapy and she's still stuck in her delusions? He snapped angrily, his voice shaking and very close to a yell, while Mr. Palmer frowned at him. Mr. Singh, such deeply ingrained delusions as a result of a psychotic break run deep. Deeper than her common sense, it will take years for her to break free of them, but only if she wants to. She still cannot cope with the knowledge that she killed your only son. She has created these vivid delusions to help her deal with her guilt and her grief. It will take time. This recording, he paused and patted his pocket, will at least save your wife from being sent to prison so she can stay here in the hospital. It's clear to me that she is in no fit state to stand trial. Really, the best place for her is to stay right here. In a locked ward for the criminally insane? Mr. Singh spat, and Mr. Palmer smiled sadly. Yes. I'm afraid so. Helen lay down in her cot. It was white 
and clean and smelled freshly laundered. She rolled onto her side, smiling vacantly, feeling the Seroquel already beginning its work and making her drowsy. Her boys were standing before her. My boys, she whispered and reached towards them with a quivering hand. Mommy, we don't like it when you leave, Caleb said with an odd, echoing tone of voice. And Helen felt her heart break at the words. I'm sorry, sweetie. I didn't mean to leave. I didn't mean to. There was a man here to see me about what happened to you. They still think I killed you. I don't want you to leave me again, Caleb said sadly. Please stay with me and Toby. Forever. I can make it so it won't hurt, Toby said gently, his cold fingers brushing Helen's hair like a cool autumn breeze. Then you can be our mommy forever. Forever, Helen breathed and another small smile came to her lips. Together, Caleb and Toby lifted her pillow from under her and pressed it over her face. Thanks for listening. Let's get straight into Patreon shoutouts because I have quite a few and thank you so, so, so much. Your support means just endless amounts to me. I haven't had as many ads lately and this really has been supporting the show in a huge, huge way. So thank you to Josue Palma, Emily L. Stevenson, Nessa Bobessa, Lenore Lewis, Jackie Thomas, Liana Burke, Tony, Sarah Natal, Nick Ash, Samantha Lawrence, Liz Thackoff, Emily Carcerano, Savannah Patan, Ilya Cummins, and Kayla McAvoy. Thank you all so, 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 so much. Sending you all so much love and light and hugs and happiness. Follow the show on social media. Twitter, Tumblr, Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook are all just scary to sleep. For any submissions, email me at scarytosleep at gmail.com. And I think that's all. Now, go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. <laughs>